Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. And one of the ways that we can despise these little ones is not telling them the truth about where you're going to go when you die. Otherwise, there's no reason for playing missionary games unless why even go to church? Why even claim we believe the Bible? Because we need to be saved. People need to be saved from hell. That's why we do it. If you never have a closer walk with God, I don't care. But you ought to, and you can. But I don't want you to go to hell. And if you will walk with the Lord closer and accept that vision, that high calling, then you can be used by God to reach somebody else. I was thinking the other day, because now at this stage of my life, I get comments from people from all over America of people that I led to the Lord years and years ago. And they're so thankful that I told them how to go to heaven. And I thought, well, what if I never had? What, just what if I never did? I'll have to answer to the Lord for the ones that I could have reached and I didn't reach. For not being totally dedicated as I ought to be. I was thinking about camp. I have had over 50 camps that I've directed. Probably more closer to 70. But I know I've done over 50 in 12 different states. And these kids, you break everything you can do. And sometimes your health, you get tired, you get weak, you drive bus, you sit for hours, and you do whatever it takes to get kids to go to camp. And I've watched my wife feed 200 kids, and her and a couple others just working in that hot kitchen, three meals a day, just so I can have the kids go to camp, and they would do what they do. And even we still do it now, we still going, and she's 75 years old, still running in a kitchen, doing all the work that she can possibly do. And hopefully she'll get well enough that she won't have to do too much this time. But we don't stop. Why? Because we believe there's a hell. We believe people are going to hell. And there has to be labors. And the only way you're going to get labors, you've got to have kids go to camp and hear the word of God and let it burn into their souls and so that there's a, an amber, a fire that burns inside of their soul. So they want to make a difference. And then you get kids to dedicate their life to the Lord and then you get them home and then next two weeks they done fizzled out. And you wonder whether it's at all worth it. And some of them might take 20 years, 30 years, and sometimes they'll go back around and they'll, you know, I need to do something with my life. I've really wasted my life. And I've had people write me little letters and they say, Yankee, I'm so sorry that I never listened to you. That I didn't dedicate my life and keep it that way. But I remember in camp and I remember what you said. And those things come back and haunt them down the years later. But then you have kids and you think of college kids. How few that you can have. They can have a burden where they say, you know, I want to do this for the rest of my life. We're always hurting for labors. The labors are few. You know what the Bible says? You know who said that? Jesus said that. The labors are few. Why are they few? How can you have a church and have people that don't want to do something for God? I haven't been able to figure it out. I just know that the pastor that was here before me almost about 10 years ago, he's passed away. And I'm not looking too good. I'm getting older and I know that one of these days I'm going to croak. I hate to say it that way. But you didn't know that time's coming. One of these days I'm going to probably lose it all. Won't remember anything. Then we'll be new friends every time we meet. <laughs> but that last part of that verse 9, it talks about this hell. And it's right there in the Bible. Take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 23. The book of Matthew and chapter 23. And this is Jesus speaking. 
He spoke more on hell than he spoke on heaven. That's why he came into the world and died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we don't have to pay for our sins in hell. But when a person rejects what Christ did for them, they're lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So whenever he says, I send you, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. We are going into the world to seek the lost. You know, in just this last week or so, I've gotten comments from people in England, talked to that one on the phone, Canada, and South Korea, and a few other places, countries, where people are hearing the, the gospel and are trusting Christ as their Savior through our message. We're able to reach people around the world, and it just blows my mind. I think it's wonderful. But here in the book of Matthew in chapter 23, look what he says here in verse 16. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, it is a debt. Ye fools and blind, for whether it's greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. You notice what he how he calls these people, these religious leaders of his day? You blind guides, you fools, you blind. And he goes down to it and said, down in verse 19, ye fools and blind, says this over and over again. But now, the part I want you to see is the last part of verse 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. There's going to be judgment. Now look there, if you've got an old Schofield, the next page. And notice what he says there in verse 33. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Who said that? Jesus did. He says there is the damnation of hell. Somebody's going to hell. And there's people, and he tells them here, you're not going, and the ones that you talk to aren't going. He says you make them two for the children of hell. And they're proselyte going to all the world. It wasn't a race. It wasn't competition. He said we didn't want people to go to hell, and we knew we had a message that could do it. And so we want a lot of people to Christ. And we got them to go to camp. And we would have 1,500 kids in camp down at Florida Bible College. They had a huge building right on the beach. Perfect setup. Ranch directors from all over the country would come in and bring in kids. And so many of these kids dedicated their lives to the Lord and to see what God has been able to do. And they've been spread out all across this country. But now years and years later, years that have passed, so many have lost their vision, the importance. Now the alumni just want to get together so they can have a party, a barbecue, a walk, go fishing together. What are the things we are? Are we just members of the nursing home? I know we need to be careful with our kids. They might determine what nursing home we go to. But if we're not there yet, then we ought to still do what we can do with all the compassion that we've ever had. So here in the book of Matthew, he says this in verse 33. How can ye escape? That's what we need to be focusing upon. Otherwise, 
It's so easy to lose our burden when we lose our vision. When we no longer see it as a serious thing. There's no dynamics in just going to church. And you're reading your Bible, trying to pay your debts, and your whole life is about you. And you being happy. You having everything that you want. Enjoying our prosperity in America. But there's something else more important than all of that. You know, whenever we started the Florida Bible College here, I actually believed that when I first came here, I asked the congregation, how many of y'all would be interested in going to Bible college if we started one? And you ought to see the hands that went up. Hardly any of those people came to Bible college once we started it. Because, you know, you're so busy now. You're, you're buried into whatever you're doing. You, you got indebtedness now. You don't have time now. You're too old now. I don't care what the reason is, but there's always a reason. Where are the labors going to come from? If not from us. Where do we get these students from? A lot of teenagers coming out of school and the college age kids, they don't have the seriousness to buckle down and mean serious business with the Lord. So this is what means more to me than anything else in the world. Can you pay the price? Can you cut it? Could you go to the military and just play patty cakes? Or are you going to have to get your nose to the grindstone? Can you make it through boot camp? That's what college is. It's a boot camp. And a lot of people don't have the dedication to be able to finish. To make it. Because you see, as some people say, it's a jungle out there. There's a war going on. And it's a battle of the mind. And that we should learn how to please him who have called us to be a soldier. But he says, you are so entangled with the affairs of this life. We get ourselves trapped. And I wonder what we could have done. Because one of these days, it's going to all be over. We're going to be with the Lord in heaven. And then we'll see what we could have accomplished. What we could have done. You're going to see God face to face. And I want you to be able to look him eye to eye. And say, Lord, I gave it all that I had. I sacrificed whatever it would take. Lord, I just didn't see I could be used. I couldn't make a difference anyway. There were so many people that you could have chose from. You can, you, I, was just, I was the bottom of the barrel, and I know you can't use me. I don't have any talents and no abilities, so Lord, I know you were going to get somebody else. And whatever I couldn't do, somebody else can do it. Yeah. How many of you think will be there saying this on the day of judgment that he talks about in Matthew chapter 5? The day's coming. It could happen at any moment. You know what gets me every time? I don't know why I should do it. But every time Peter sings that one song. It could happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Remember? It could happen in a moment that you could die. And you don't go to heaven. I'm talking about every lost person. It could happen in a moment. In a moment, your loved one could be dead. Do they know the Lord? Have you witnessed to them? Have you checked on everybody in your family? Have you talked to them? Have you talked to your grandkids, your aunts and your uncles? Have you really talked to them? Do you care? Will somebody else will reach them? What if they don't? Where will they go when they die? And I was talking about this and feeling like this before I ever went to Bible college because it burned inside of me. If this is true, if my father-in-law had not reached me and I died, I'd have gone to hell. I used to close the door to my office and turn out the lights and it'd be so dark. 
And I would picture myself being in hell in a fire and knowing I'll never get out of here. I'll never get out. It didn't have to be this way. And there's going to be a multitude of people that are going to be doing just that. People that I know, people that I love. And so I've tried to determine I want to be found faithful. I'm not saying I am, but I reach more people thinking the way that I do than thinking it doesn't really matter. That's why in the book of Jude it talks about having compassion, making a difference. Do you want to live your whole life and not make a difference? When you get to heaven, don't you want people to be in heaven because they heard you give the gospel? You won them to Christ. You convinced, you persuaded somebody to trust the Lord. That's why we want to have camps. And I wish I could stay healthy long enough to have another hundred camps. But I can see the writing on the wall. I'm getting tired. I'm getting so tired. I'm getting so weary. that some days I can't hardly seem to keep going. But I go every day, seven days a week. I don't worry about no 30 hours a week or no 40 hours a week. I go all time. And it's always on my mind. And when we go to camp, I'm just glad we got some people we can start turning things over to. Y'all pray for Jesse. He's got his hands full. I give him as much as I can just to see if he can handle it. But he's, he's sacrificing. Not because we, we're paying him more, but because of the cause. The reason why we do what we're doing. Why do you think Jesse quit that good job at the uh, Wells Fargo? Was that where he was working or wherever he was working? And he robbed it and did what? Or whatever he did. But we have a responsibility. And I just want to do it. Now take your Bible and turn back to the book of John chapter 3. So I told you it was coming back to John. There were just a few verses over there I wanted to look at. But in John chapter 3, you'll notice in verse 15 when it says, That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now think about this, the seriousness of this. When you believe, you will not perish. When is a person going to die? You don't know, do you? When should a person believe then? Right away. Does that make it urgent? You can't reach a person after they die. I have never conducted a funeral for the dead man. It's always for the living. That he might teach those that are alive to number their days and apply their hearts unto wisdom. The man who's already died is gone. You can't do anything for him. But for those who still live, sometimes God can get glory out of your life or out of your death. But here he makes the statement that whosoever believe in him should not perish. That means you not go to hell. Not go to hell. We just looked at verses in three or four different scriptures that talks about Jesus says the day of judgment and about the hellfire. Everlasting hellfire. And then he says in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is salvation that you have the moment you believe. The moment you believe, you are saved. But the moment you believe doesn't mean you have a good walk with God. Doesn't mean you have intimacy with God. Doesn't mean you have a good relationship with God. No, you just got saved but that was because you believed. So being saved is not about those other things. It's wonderful as they may be. But it's like putting a band-aid on a, the problem. And it's not going to help the problem whatsoever. And so churches are full of people that just want to get close to God. 
And they like to just go to church and they sing and they pray and they give money and things like that. And they put some tab on their conscience and so they're, they're doing fine. You're going to hell if you haven't trusted Christ as Savior. That's serious. That means there's something that needs to be taken care of. That means if you've got anybody, you want to go to heaven, better stop playing games. You better make this a serious issue. That's what causes people to bring people out so they can hear the gospel so they can get saved. The reason you don't go fishing in a bathtub is because there's no fish in the bathtub. But wouldn't it be great if every person in here, this week I'm going to lead somebody to the Lord. I'm going to lead somebody to, I'm going to talk to somebody. And I'm going to do it until I get somebody to trust Christ as Savior. You see, you can't do it. You can if you try. You see, I became a soul winner because I tried. It didn't happen automatic. I had to work at it. First two years, I chased more people away because I didn't know what to say and how to say it. I'd walk up to somebody and say, are you saved? From what? I'll pray for you. Well, next time. Are you saved? That's all I knew to ask. I didn't know any other questions. I didn't know the great opening questions and how to tie the knot and get them into the boat, you know. I didn't know how to get them to sign on the dotted line. But I had to learn. And I learned the same way that Hank Lindstrom learned. We went to Bible college. We had to study. But I'm glad that we took that time out of our life to learn because it made a difference. And yes, I put out a newsletter just recently and I took my wife and my two little kids and we, I drug them all over this country. And five years later, I had no money. I didn't have anything. I was broker than the Ten Commandments. I mean, we couldn't even pay attention. And I realized I need to do something. My future is going to be just like the past unless I make a change. And I wanted something different. I had to have something more. And I realized I'm smart enough. I think I'm smart enough. I could have whatever I wanted to do. I think I could succeed in it. I don't care what it was. I just felt like I could. Maybe I couldn't, but I felt like I could. But wouldn't it be a shame to succeed in everything but so in the end? Because when I get to heaven, God's not going to ask me, how did you do in all the other jobs you had? Were you a soul winner? Did you take my burden seriously? What did you do about it? I went to the cross and I paid for the sins of the world. And I told you to go tell people. Now, what did you do for me? And as one scripture says, not so, Lord. Not so, Lord. Would you tell the Lord? No, not so. Not me. When he says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Lord, call somebody else. I'm busy. My plate's full. Is your plate full? You haven't seen a full plate. I'm talking about where you go day and night. And your mind is always on it. I'm not trying to talk about how did you just trying to figure out how to pay your bills and keep food on the table and do all, all those things. But God says, you put me first and I'll take care of these other things. You don't take care of that, and you'll work twice as hard doing the other. It's just like some people never figure this out. Whatever I make, if I voluntarily, if I just gave 10% of that to the Lord's work, I'll have the wisdom to use the 90% and get more than if I kept all 100. People never figure that out because they don't believe God will take care of it. So they rob from God, and they rob from themselves. And they have holes where they put their money in it, and it's got holes in their bag. And they lose what they work for all their life. That's why he says, lay up treasure in heaven. We're thieves and 
So if it can't break through and you can't lose it. Serve the Lord now in the days of your youth. Now that we're some of us getting a little bit older, serve the Lord in the days of your old age. You say, how do I know when I can quit serving God? You've got a pulse, you've got a purpose. Boy, mine's going fast right now. How's yours doing? Better make up your mind to serve the Lord. But I want you to look at this verse. Look in John 3.36. Right along here with just John 3.16. How wonderful John 3.16 is. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. Won't go to hell. You see, He's explained all of that in Matthew. He knows, he knows what, he was, what He was talking about. This is why you need a Savior. But look where it says in verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath, present tense, hath, right now hath everlasting life. But if you believe on Christ right now, and the goal is to have a relationship with God, you can't have that right now. Because you don't even know enough about God to walk with God. You don't know enough about the Holy Spirit living within you and how to walk separately from the flesh. You haven't got all that stuff figured out yet. But one thing you can have, the security, I will not go to hell, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I got it. So that's why I love letting people know that when you trust Christ as your Savior, he that believeth on me hath, present tense, right now you have everlasting life. You get the results of it. That's why he came to save us. Now after you are saved and you have eternal life and you're not going to hell, yes, God wants me to serve him with all my heart, to love him and all that. But you can't do that until you're born into his family first. So in verse 36, look at the last part of the verse. And he that believeth not, the son shall not see life. But what? The wrath of God. Now, if it's talking about just dying, well, everybody dies. Even God's children die. Even those who trust Christ as Savior, have eternal life, are still physically going to die. So this wrath of God means more than meets the eye. This is something that happens to you after you're dead. And you can study the scriptures and see, what is the wrath of God? And so he's read there in Thessalonians. He's coming back one of these days, and he says that when he comes back, He's taken vengeance upon those who did not obey the gospel. See, the gospel commands you to believe it. The good news is you are commanded to believe the gospel. Because not to obey the gospel by believing it, you shall perish. You will spend an eternity in hell. I am not sure this was the message I had intended today. But it's my heart. It's what's behind it everything that we do. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, He hates our sin, but He loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. God doesn't want us to go to hell. He wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, yeah, we got to be perfect. And nobody's perfect. But because we've all sinned, we're all condemned. We're condemned to an everlasting fire in hell. And so God says you cannot save yourself. You can't deliver yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. You see, our sin separates us from God. So what Christ did was he took the way that which separated us. He took our sins, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. 
He said, if we would believe he did it for us, he would put the payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I urge you to trust the Lord today, not tomorrow, today. This is urgent. I had a man tell me one time, not now. I said, would you do me a favor? He said, sure. I said, don't die. He said, I can't control that. Point well taken. Can't you see why you need to trust the Lord right now? Because you're not guaranteed another minute. But do you understand the consequences by rejecting Christ as your Savior? It's not just a little game we play. To reject this payment Christ made, you're rejecting Christ, you're rejecting God, you're rejecting His love, you're rejecting His salvation. And there's a great consequence for doing so. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I urge you to do so. If you're watching by internet, you can do it right where you are. You don't have to walk an aisle, sign a card. You don't have to give any money. You don't have to do anything. Salvation is the gift of God. It's free. All he wants you to do is believe that when he died on that cross, he died for you. He paid for your sins so that you wouldn't have to pay for them. So if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope you see the urgency of doing so. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Always intending to, but just maybe haven't done it yet. Maybe you're getting your last warning. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask for a raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And you're saying, preacher, that made sense to me. I want to know I have eternal life. And I want to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Friend, I'd love to do that. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. It's just to let me know. I'm not going to embarrass you. But does anyone at all say, yes, preacher, I will trust Christ right now. And I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down. Anyone at all? And with it all, just slip it up very quickly. I will not have you embarrassed or have you forward or do anything to you. And with it all. That means that every one of y'all in this room, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, take this thing seriously. Find out those in your family. Talk to them. Ask them. Do you know you're going to heaven when you die? You've got to have that urgent, that compassion that they know you really love them and you really care about them. Not to say anything, does that mean you don't really care? Make it a point of your life that this is what my life's going to be about. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We thank you for this time together and we thank you for the ministry you've given us and for the souls that have been reached and for the people here that give and sacrifice and work so hard. Some were over here yesterday working hard trying to get all this work done just for today. Thank you so much for them and so much that needs to be done for camp and getting kids to go to camp. I pray that the people here, if they got teenagers and can influence them at all to go to camp, to do so. This is so important. We thank you for your watch, care, and your love and all your provision. We pray that the donations that people give would be sufficient to take care of the needs that are coming because of camp. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.